In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Today we celebrate one of the most important solemnities of the liturgical year. I would say Pentecost is among the top three, Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost. Today we celebrate the birth of the church, opening day for the church. Jesus officially passes on the baton to his apostles and his subsequent followers that will grow until the end of time. We go to the Holy Spirit whose divine role is to help us in penetrating the mystery of Jesus. He helps us personalize his words within the broad parameters of the teachings of the church. The Holy Spirit helps us to discern that personal message. Pentecost has a very personal message to all of us who want to follow Jesus and live the gospel to the full and to take to heart his very last words that seem to be one of the best kept secrets to make disciples of all nations to witness Jesus from the center that held the redemptive act of Jesus on the cross and was the location of the resurrection and also Pentecost, Jerusalem, extending that message to the province in which Jerusalem was located, Judea, and the next province that was a mixture of the chosen people and Gentiles called the Sumerians to Samaria to the very ends of the earth. Catholic means universal in Greek and that universality touches many aspects. But what we want to hone in on today in this marvelous solemnity that gives tremendous hope for the church and the world that we are called to extend that gospel to all nations. As we watch the news and read the paper and just observe that Christianity and the natural law of the Judeo-Christian tradition doesn't seem to be very much in fashion we realize that Jesus is the victory that has overcome the world through the intervention of the Holy Spirit.
And so we use the prayer of today's sequence addressed to the Holy Spirit and make it our own. Come, Holy Spirit, come. And from your celestial home shed a ray of light divine. Come, Father of the poor. Come, source of all our store. Come within our bosoms shine. You of comforters the best, you the soul's most welcome guest, sweet refreshment here below. And the Holy Spirit traditionally is symbolized by the image of water, light, warmth. This is especially apparent in Chicago's extended winter. We go from winter to summer here. And there's not much of a spring. And because of the cold weather during the official spring days after March 21st, growth is very slow on account of the lack of warmth that the seeds and the plants and the trees need a certain threshold of warmth to grow. So that's why the Holy Spirit is referred to as heat, light, and water. Winter does not offer much growth because of the lack of light and the cold and the snow, etc. And what does this light and this water and this heat do? Well, allows that seed to grow, to be transformed. And it's interesting to note how Jesus uses the image of the seed to teach us how this mystery of the kingdom grows and extends itself. The seed is the life of Christ that we receive in baptism. And the good soil that Jesus elaborates on in his parable of the sower is the eager response, the desire, the determination, the choice, the decision to follow Jesus. And when we struggle and strive to follow Jesus, well, the Holy Spirit inspires that struggle as well. We're a company the whole time. But to put it in human terminology, the Holy Spirit responds. And analogously does what he did for the Blessed Mother. The Holy Spirit incarnated Christ, not Mary. He incarnated the Son of God, but occasioned by that yes of Mary. And as she said yes, the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and brought the Son of God into our world by incarnating him in the glorious and most pure womb of the Blessed Mother. This is what Pentecost is all about. We read how 
the church got off the ground because the apostles, especially Peter, spoke in, in tongues, in different languages. After that melodramatic thunderclap where this ball of fire branched out into tongues of fire hovering over the apostles and the Blessed Mother, there was an immediate transformation. And the listeners were in this, in the temple, in the cenacle, hearing, preaching in their own language. The chosen people came from the diaspora and heard the message of Jesus in their own language, which was quite miraculous. And not only they heard in their own language, they noticed the fire of love in the demeanor of Jesus' closest followers. We are called to speak in tongues through this overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. Our first dose was in baptism. That first coat was completed in confirmation. And in a certain sense, the Holy Spirit is there. He has made a commitment. We are a new life in Christ. But the growth depends on grace primarily, secondarily, but the secondary component of conversion, of transformation, is indispensable, is my desire, my willingness to follow the Lord. And when that happens, I speak in tongues because I become more Christ-like. I've seen this in many occasions, and I won't elaborate. When I run into especially cheerful people, happy people, and in my experience, that joy does not have direct bearing on success or material possession or an absence of suffering, but it has everything to do with a commitment to Christ. It has everything to do with a robust prayer life. Because when I pray, when I commit myself to follow Christ, when I try to unite myself to Him, the Holy Spirit works actively, imperceptibly, but actively. And his role is to transform me into Christ, to unite me more intimately with him. So I speak in the tongue of fire, the tongue of love, the tongue of charity. It's a language that everybody understands. Everybody understands joy, that primary fruit of the Holy Spirit that is so present in this Paschal season, so present when Jesus appeared in our world, so present as the crowds, as his followers, 
contact him and exchange words with him. As our Holy Father teaches in his exhortation on joy that as it was 2,000 plus years ago, we need to make Christ real through joy, through peace, through affection. And then that affection and that love, as Peter says in his first epistle, be ready to give the reason for the hope that is within you. This awakens, this joy, this love awakens in a an inquisitive appetite to know what is this reason of joy, of love. You blend into our world, you Christian, but when it comes to joy and love, you are definitely above average. There's an attraction to you. We need to sense this sweet burden of extending this kingdom of joy and peace and freedom of consolation to as many people as we can. This involves a lot more than mass mailings or phonathons, which do have its value, or big speeches or rallies. This involves personal witness that leads to an encounter with Christ through our own flawed, defective witness, but nevertheless a witness. We need to give people an experience of Christ. I recall in my days in Rome in the late 70s how knowing the future Blessed Alvaro, the first successor of St. Jose Maria, how I detected two elements to his witness. Number one, the influence of St. Jose Maria. You could tell someone had an influence on this, on this priest who eventually became bishop. There's something there. And to see how he would refer to St. Jose Maria as, as his model of, of sanctity, of, of a knack to penetrate the words of Jesus, you see a saint had an influence on him. And number two, his own personal witness that to put it in American terminology, when I would speak with him or others as well, your reaction was, wow, he really likes me. Somehow I, I hit it off with him. And it won't make the headlines. He's so calm and joyful. And that was not due because he was immune to suffering or dispensed from suffering. He suffered a lot. But he was always interested in you. And we enjoyed 
being with him because of that intangible. That intangible is called the heart of Christ. Very similar sensation upon listening and being present at John Paul's Angelus address and audience, and I was I was graduate student age then, and to be able to be at mass celebrated by the future Saint John Paul, that same sensation, that attraction caused by that heart of Jesus. We invoke the Holy Spirit so that we have that sense of urgency to be holy, to be saintly, so that I personally attract people to Christ using the words of our Holy Father that I exercise the apostolate or the work of evangelization of attraction, that I make Christ real. And I I look at it as an opportunity. I've had conversations with our separated brothers and sisters, good Christians, not Catholic, some of them are seriously thinking about becoming Catholic. And uh, I've been enlightened because I said, well, I have some issues, and I figure, well, it's one of three issues. It's a problem with Mary that we take her too seriously. Well, we should take her seriously, but, you know, she's, she's a, our mother who leads us to Christ. But so Mary is a a challenge, at least traditionally, purgatory, and the papacy. And in the case, the most recent conversations, those three tenets of church teaching have not been a difficulty. So I said, well, as you have me, what, what difficulty do you have with Catholic teachings. There's nothing about Catholic teaching. I think I could handle it and learn and realize that there's compelling reasons for those beliefs. I don't I don't notice Catholics who have a personal friendship with Christ and they don't seem to evangelize. Their faith consists in at least the good ones they've said attendance at mass and standard prayers and I want a witness by them. I want them to show me that I can have even a better relationship with Christ through Catholicism. I said, well, you should. We have more resources. I'm not saying one My denomination is better than yours. I'm not going to go there. Though we have the Eucharist, we have the sacraments, we have the Pope, we have to utilize them. I said the problem is not the Catholic teaching that we need to utilize it.
And let's utilize those means through which the Holy Spirit transforms us. Spending time in prayer, using the Word of God, being centered on the Eucharist, making my love for others first within the intimacy of my family, my friends, my colleagues, any person I encounter, I am trying to sell them on the gospel. And I want to always lead with that charity. That charity has to be real, has to be genuine. The joy needs to be real, commensurate with my temperament. And these words of Christ will come to fruition. Jesus said to his disciples, this is today's gospel, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always. Whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. I have told you this while I'm with you. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. These words are extremely profound and rich. Our Lord is telling us, yes, the Holy Spirit will produce a profound transformation, will be divinized, as it were. Extend that heart of Christ, that joy of Christ, into the lives of others. But I need to keep his commandments. It sounds so standard. What is our Lord saying? And this is intimately linked with the Holy Spirit. It's what we've been praying about, that I need to present my desires, my determination, his, the commandments Jesus is referring to are his very life. The new covenant is Christ. The new law is Christ. To quote Benedict's celebrated books called Jesus of Nazareth, two volumes. In one of those books, he mentions that our new Torah, our law, is Christ himself, his life and his teaching. And I need to contemplate those. That has to be my steady diet with respect to my prayer life. St. Maria gave many retreats, even after many decades. His retreatants, especially priests, preserved their notes. I don't know if anybody would predict it to the future that he would be canonized, but nevertheless, they especially enjoyed his retreats because he brought the gospel to life. He helped them penetrate its meaning, 
personalize the gospel. And St. Josemaria teaches that this has to be our steady diet. He would say that we have to live and nourish ourselves with the word and the bread. The words of Jesus, especially the gospel, all of scripture, but especially the gospel, and the bread of life, the, the Holy Eucharist. And he would say, in the way, I'm paraphrasing right now, that to make Christ known, I need to nourish myself with the bread and with the word. And what does the Lord say? That I will reflect how much God loves me. I will detect more and more and be more convinced how much I'm loved by the Father. And I will reflect that light of our Lord. What an urgency we have, St. Josemaria says in the way 301, these world crises are crises of saints. We have to do what those first Christians did. Jesus cuts them loose in a hostile world, a world gripped by hedonism and violence and skepticism. And as St. Paul teaches us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, that we have to be living letters of Christ. Christ has not sent us out into the world to be stymied by failure, though we may not see, we will not see immediate results. He's sending us out into the world because he's the victory. And today we're celebrating that victory because the Holy Spirit gives us power to move hearts, to make Christ real. Some will say no, but many will say yes. As we wind down our prayer and go to the Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, give us that sense of urgency to be more committed to Christ. Since my family, my colleagues, my country, perhaps without realizing it, want to see the face of Christ. Help me be that face of Christ and help me be more convinced that my prayer life, my Eucharistic piety, my devotion to the Blessed Mother are necessary means, indispensable means to allow you to transform me and continue to convert me. Mary, I ask you to intercede before your spouse, the Holy Spirit, and help me sense that urgency to correspond to grace so that I give others an experience of that very heart of Christ. Mary, Queen of Apostles, spouse of the Holy Spirit, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Holy Mary, our hope and seat of wisdom.